Welcome into the December 29th episode of the Locked on These podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. It's game day, folks. Toronto entering Mullet Arena for the first time. They'll be getting some reinforcements as well on the back end as they take on the Arizona Coyotes tonight. We'll tee up that game for you. Also going to touch on these ludicrous fines that were levied onto Sheldon Keith in the Leafs organization. I've got a bone to pick with the NHL. We'll get to that in a moment. And Canada also victorious in their second game. They wallop Germany, and uh, I think they'll be just fine, Dave. But we'll touch on that game as well. All that more coming up on today's edition of Locked on Leafs. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Lockdown Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host, Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Lockdown Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, catch us up on YouTube as well. Subscribe on YouTube. Uh, we put out new content each and every day, Monday through Friday. It's all Leafs all the time. And if you're a part of Leafs Nation, you'll want to be part of the Lockdown Leafs family. You can also check out our Discord, which is uh, increasingly growing as well. Um, and the Discord was uh, was interesting today because there were some fines that were levied on uh, on the Maple Leafs. And the Discord got a hold of that information and went ablaze, went wild on it and We'll have an opportunity to touch on it as well. Um, then we'll tee up tonight's game. Got the Leafs and Coyotes. Morgan Riley returning tonight ahead of schedule, which is really good news for the Maple Leafs. And then uh, Canada cruising past Germany 12-2. to Connor Bedard, an unbelievable performance there. So before we get into all that, let me just tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and odds and lines than ever before. Bet online, it's where the game starts. All right, Dave. Let's get into these fines here because <laughs> when I saw this, I was actually enraged. Like, I understand it. It's pretty black and white. So why don't you post it, um, the notification that NHLPR sent out there. The Maple Leafs have been fined $100,000 for violating the collective bargaining agreement. And if you read uh, more, it says that the NHL has announced today that they find the Toronto Maple Leafs organization 100000 for the team's travel to St. Louis on December 26, 2022. The team activity was in violation of Article 16.5B of the collective bargaining agreement between the NHL and the NHLPA. The line uh, or, or the fine money goes to the NHL Foundation. So $100,000, that is pennies for MLSE, and it's pennies for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You can take that down now. Yeah. Um, it, it, but it's, it's, it's still dumb. Like, I think two things can be true. Did the Maple Leafs break the rule, and should they maybe be fine for this? Sure, I suppose so, because they broke the rule. But it's also dumb. So for those who, who didn't quite uh, you know, understand exactly what went down, 
So there's a rule that no team activities can occur. And this is in the CBA from October 20 or December 24th to December 26th. So because the Maple Leafs had a game in St. Louis, which is cross the border in a different time zone, all of that. So they decided, okay, let's leave late on the 26th and get there uh, early so we can get a proper sleep and then get up, have practice, and go about our day, not have to worry about traveling on a game day. That was the mindset, I'm sure, of this team. And because of that, because they left at 10.30 p.m., as opposed to 12.01 a.m. on the 27th, they got fined $100,000 because that was considered a team activity that went that took place on the 26th of December. It's just ludicrous, Dave. Absolutely. Like, I understand it. Before people say, oh, they put the rule, I get it. But there also shouldn't be like cross border, cross time zone, east west travel games uh, on the 27th if teams aren't allowed to travel on the 26th. So there was only one t- away team that won in the return to action, and that was the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, really? Nice pull. Good stat. Yeah, so first off, I think the Leafs will take the $100,000 fine that came with that considering they got the win. Now, if they lost, this would have been adding salt to the wound. But this is where I had the issue, and you brought it up. Why are you scheduling games and then telling teams you can't travel until the wee hours of the morning? Because that's what teams are going to Teams are not going to leave it to chance considering there have been snowstorms going along. Right. Also that all over the place. Right. If you've been to an airport within the last week, you'll know that it is the last place you'll want to be right now. And I understand NHL teams fly charter. So they're yeah. not with the public, but it that's is still to as as yeah. much just goonness yeah. that happens at airports. But yes, and I get that. But they still have to. They're not exempt from, oh, yeah, it is dangerous to fly, so you guys ain't getting out of here. Like, that that type of stuff still happens. So I I just think the NHL should have, should have a little bit of leniency for those away teams that probably wanted to leave earlier, decided they couldn't leave earlier, so they had to travel at a stupid hour and well, get to their games. So I was uh, going back and forth with with somebody who works in a different organization. And what they were telling me was, I mean, obviously they were in full agreement with what the league did, saying, I mean, it's a pretty cut and dry rule. You're not supposed to do anything. All the other teams who traveled on that day left at like 8 or 9 a.m., got into the city that they're playing, had a quick skate, morning skate, and then had a nap, and then were ready to go for the game. That's what all the other teams did. Toronto got a leg up by doing so, therefore, um, and by breaking the rule, therefore, uh, they got fined for it. And the word that he kept using was precedence. You, you, you can't, you have to set precedence where if that rule is broken, you, this has to happen. I believe I had read on Twitter that this also happened in 2015. The Philadelphia Flyers were flagged for something similar. Um, so there, there is some precedence already of this happening, and they just don't want that to happen. And Look, I, I understand it. So the way that I was, I got into an argument with this with this uh, with this gentleman about it, and from his perspective, coming from somebody who's you know knows the team and is part of you know the the NHLPA in a way, telling me that 
guys already are sacrificing and only getting three days away from the team. And by forcing players to come back on the 26th, they may have to skip out on one of their days off, which isn't cool, apparently. Um, so that was the the argument that I heard for why what the Maple Leafs did was was not cool and, and why ultimately this this is a, a rule and, and why this is in the CBA and the fact that they got fined for it was because it was a clear violation. But my point more so, like I think two things can be true. The Maple Leafs broke the rule, broke the law, let's say, and and consequence. We're appropriately fined for it. I'm okay with that. But I just think that it is silly though that you schedule a team to play on the 26th in St. Louis when they are all in Toronto. Like, just travel that day to St. Louis and then get them to play, I think is just kind of kind of silly. And I guess the only way that you can get around that to guarantee that is if you're going to have games on the 27th, the first day back from um, the Christmas break, make them all, like, close regional games. Like, Toronto, um, have them play Buffalo or Ottawa, games where they can get there like that. So it's not, you know, you don't have to cross the border. If you are crossing a border, it's only an hour and a half away, not necessarily, you know, in a different time zone and, and a, you know, three, four-hour flight. So those are the, the my two bugaboos, I guess, I have with this whole thing. Um, and me personally, if I was one of the Toronto Maple Leafs, though, I would have rather left at 10.30, landed at midnight, as opposed to leaving at either midnight or 8 a.m. the next day and then having to, you know, wake up early, have to go down to the airport at like 6, 7 o'clock in the morning, battle all that traffic at 6, 7 a.m., and then have to get on the plane, go, not really get a full comfortable sleep. You're traveling on a game day. Like there's a lot of issues that would go along with that. It'd be so much easier and simpler just to travel down 10 p.m., roll into the airport at, at 10 o'clock, 10.30, you're on your flight, and you head out to St. Louis. You get in there. I think they arrived like shortly after 11 p.m. local time. They do gain an hour by making that flight, by the way, which I think is, is kind of funny. They also do gain an hour by going to St. Louis. But regardless, so they arrived like 11 o'clock local time, which would have been roughly after midnight uh, uh, Toronto time. And now you're landing at midnight and you can get a full sleep and then go about the whole next day on the 27th without worrying about travel, without worrying about, you know, messing up your schedule, your sleep schedule, all that. And I guarantee you, like, there would have been some sort of pull that was taken and the team probably elected to do this. I don't know this for sure, but I would hope that's the case. And if the team elected to do that, and they basically said it would cost us a hundred thousand dollar fine to do so, but it would benefit us greatly. And they decided, okay, let's do it. Then I'm happy that the Maple Leafs did this and broke this rule. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of you know what it reminds me of. Remember that viral clip of, of Mark Cuban years ago where he was on like a I don't know a television charity telethon type of thing, and they're like, oh, we just heard because he used the F word. Uh, you know, you're getting fined fifteen thousand dollars, and it's going to some charities. Like, I got fifteen thousand dollars fined, fifteen k for using the f word. Like, yeah, and what's charity? Yeah, you want to do it again? F it. <laughs> he just swore again. It's like they have f u money, and it didn't matter because it was worth it. And, and to the Maple Leafs, I guess they felt that uh, that it was worth it. And the fact that they were the only road team to get that win also yesterday, I mean, kind of uh, definitely 
makes it worth it. And they'll say, hey, I'll pay, we'll pay 300K if it guarantees us a victory, one out of 82. I think that's uh, that's worth it for Toronto. Well, and I also think the Sheldon Key fine was certainly worth it too, considering what he what I, I was a little surprised. He must have said something during the game when I saw he was fined twenty five thousand. I'm like, I've seen coaches like show a lot of, well, a lot of not so nice things to the refs. I was a little surprised he was fined for it, and I'm just like, man, he should have done a lot more because he should have gotten his money worth. Yeah. After- game yeah i guess he didn't really get his money's worth right in, in, in that aspect um sheldon keith was fined twenty five thousand, also for basically sounding off on the officials in a, in a not so nice way uh yesterday um but like the officiating there was there was many of uh, missed calls i mean there was the one uh the missed high stick on zach Aston reese there was the pick on jordy ben um there was a couple of of reasons why sheldon keith you know, was was angry and upset with the officiating last night. And if you read his lips, I mean, he he told Wes McCauley, like, wake the f up, Wes. Like, come on, call these freaking plays. And um, he did. De- he did step down to ice level and and started giving it to the officials. I don't know if he crossed the line there, uh, but anyways, he he gets a twenty five thousand dollar fine. I wonder, I wonder, Dave, if this was like since they were already pissed off at Toronto, they also said, you know what, we're also going to, you know, lay the law down on Sheldon Keefe and give him a $25,000 fine as well. Like if they wouldn't have broken the rule the night before, would they have been so harsh on Sheldon Keefe this time around? I don't know. Maybe they would have, but you know, you know, maybe that was part of the equation. They're just like, yeah, let's just double down on, on, you know, making Toronto bring out the checkbook, which, doesn't really hurt them anyway. Yeah. No, I don't think anyone's losing any sleep over what happened with these fines. No. Did we ever get an update, by the way, on Dan Kelly when he was shoving Michael Bunting? Like, did he get a fine of any kind? Anything? I was told that there was some sort of conversation had. And like an apology? Yeah. I think Michael Bunting and him kind of had a discussion, too. And apparently, water on the bridge, we're all good. Which is fine. Which is fine. I'm totally okay with that. But if you ask me, what Dan Kelly did was a billion times worse than what Sheldon Keefe did. And the fact that you're finding Sheldon Keefe actual money out of his pocket, I mean, the least will probably pay it. But still, you're finding him for his actions. Meanwhile, the actions of the official, the game prior, a couple games before, to me was way worse. It's a double standard that's honestly just kind of ridiculous when uh, when you think about it but anyway say la vie uh that that we'll put that one to the side that is under the bridge for for bunting and dan kelly but i just want to show somewhat of the hypocrisy when it comes to officials and the national hockey league all right dave we'll take a quick break when we get back some updates from practice ahead of the coyotes game that'll be taking place tonight at mullet arena morgan riley back with the buds We'll tell you who his partner is going to be. That'll be in just a moment. But first, let me tell you about one of today's show sponsors, and that's BetOnline.net. It's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to hockey and also basketball. You've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're the always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, it's where the game starts. 
Welcome back into the Locked On Lease podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano. Got Dave Morissuti with me, my co-host here at Locked On Leafs. We've got a new podcast coming out to you each and every day, Monday through Friday. If you haven't subscribed yet, and 50% of our viewers have yet to subscribe to Locked On Leafs, what are you doing? Give us a nice little Christmas gift, a nice New Year's present, and sign up for Locked On Leafs. Because our New Year's resolution for 2023 we want 5K subs by the end of the year. 5,000 subs by the end of the year. I mean, we're not that far off. We just got to double our number, which is pretty much would keep us on track of where we're at. I mean, we started this YouTube channel in what, February? I believe you came on. We kind of started things February-ish, and we've already got it up to roughly 2,400. So, you know, I think getting to 5K by next year won't be too, too difficult but we do need the help of you guys listening and watching the program. So even if you're a podcast listener via audio format, head over to uh, the YouTube channel and just give us a nice little subscribe just for the support and share it with all your friends and family um, who are also diehard Leaf fans to get them up to date on everything Maple Leafs each and every day. And uh, speaking of updates, we got some updates from practice from yesterday, Dave. Uh, Morgan Riley is back. He's feeling good. He's ahead of schedule. Wasn't expected to be back until about early to mid-January. And this was like a week ago. That was the update. <laughs> like literally a week ago. It was like, yeah, probably still a few weeks out for him. Two to three weeks or so. And then all of a sudden, actually, he's going to return before the new year. <laughs> and now he's getting back into the lineup. Uh, his defensive partner, Timothy Lilligren. So out comes Jordy Ben. In goes Morgan Riley. So it'll be Riley, Lilligren, Brody, uh, Timmins, and then Hall and Giordano will remain uh, with each other. Sandine still not quite ready to go. Um, has been practicing, but still not ready to play. Um, Morgan Riley, what I found interesting, though, about, uh, <coughs> about Riley's return, I mean, we've talked about this on this show, where I feel like where he's really been missed not necessarily the defensive end I think there's more than enough conversations to have about his defensive acumen you know with the Maple Leafs and whether or not he'll help or or hinder this team back there but I thought that he would be able to help this power play which has been eh, rather lackluster since he went out it was operating sub 20 percent since he uh, since his injury and this is a a power play with Riley last year that was number one in the league, around 30%. So him going coming back, I thought, would disband the five forward unit and he would take on that uh, that fifth role as the, the guy who mans the power play at the point. Not the case. And I'm curious if this is just because they want to you know, ease Morgan Riley in or if they legitimately want to go with this five forward unit. But today at practice, Morgan Riley was skating alongside um, Connor Timmins, and it's a two- defenseman pp2 instead so no defenseman on the first power play it's gonna be the five forward unit and then on the second power play morgan riley uh and, and connor timmons up front and then they got the trio of forwards up top and who will play whatever 20 seconds of power play time at the end of it um does that surprise you too that that's kind of what the Leafs are doing here yeah, just a tad i mean you you kind of think that with riley back everything would kind of be status quo with them but maybe this is also, you know, he's coming back from a knee injury. You don't want to overdo it with him. And like the top, I mean, we were seeing five forwards on the power play, right? So I don't, I think uh, whoever's at the point, it, it just seems like for the Leafs, it doesn't matter 
all that much, whether it's Riley, whether it's Sandine, Timmons, and I mean, whoever they can think of to go out there. So yeah, it was a little surprising, but maybe this is also just, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to throw too much of Morgan Riley, right. You know, coming off of a pretty lengthy absence. Yeah. I, I know I, I did a little bit of a deep dive and I was chatting about this with uh, Jonas Siegel of the athletic. And, you know, one of the, when you look at the power play, one of the key things that has gone down since Morgan Riley um, departed was Matthew's shots on goal. Like this is a guy who was often the trigger man because it was very static. I guess you could say the way that they were set up, but with this five man unit, you see a lot more fluidity in where they're at. And it's not necessarily Austin Matthews. Who's, you know, setting up in his office as a trigger man on the flank. Sometimes you see him up top. Sometimes you see him, you know, in the bumper roll. And, and sometimes he's not really factored in a whole lot on the play. And sometimes he could be net front and looking for a tip or a high tip or deflection. You know, it, it does, in a way, open up more possibilities for more guys to get involved. Um, but at the same time, you did see a lot of success with Morgan Riley working that point and manning that power play, quarterbacking it from the back end, the way that he can kind of skate and, and – um, you know, toe the line there, but I guess they'll continue with the five man unit for now and, and we'll see how long that, uh, that'll last, but it'll be good to, to get Morgan Riley back into the full regardless, even at five on five. I mean, cause this team, although I, I see a lot of people beacon off and saying that he's terrible defensively and this team got better when he came out of the lineup, the team is still going to be better off with Morgan Riley than with that. I still firmly believe that. I, I do as well. Like, I, I don't see how you don't want your best. You want to see the best lineup out there, right? Like, I don't think there's going to be any, like, I I don't think you're going to see much of a change. And, like, I, I don't know some people may think otherwise, but I, I don't think that you're going to be messing up too much with all, with, you know, bringing in Riley, right? Like, I, I don't know how people think that, are thinking that way. Like you just invested a lot in this guy too. He's not going anywhere. So he's part of the, he's going to make this team better. Like there's no, there's no part of me that thinks that, uh, I don't know if I want to be putting him in the line, but it's like, no, like I was actually pretty happy to see that he's coming back and it, it actually should make this team a lot better. You know, and he's not going to be And the best thing about this. He's not going to be asked to do that much. Because yeah. it's been shown, they don't need to ask him to do that much because all the other defensemen have picked up the slack. Yeah, you're right. And since he left, we've also seen more of a buy-in from the forwards who have, you know, given the the, the defensemen a, a, an easier outlet too out of the zone. So a lot less mistakes being made by D-men, and uh, you know, hopefully that can continue. And you know, Riley can get that help as well, and that can end up resulting in some positive. Um, you know, some positive plays going up the ice. Uh, the one other difference we'll see in the lineup tonight looks like Dryden Hunt will finally make his Maple Leafs debut. We thought maybe it was going to happen in Philadelphia. It did not, but Dryden Hunt will make it in Arizona. Uh, so he'll play tonight. Joey Anderson, the odd man out in this game, makes a little bit of sense. But uh, I'm kind of excited to see what Dryden Hunt can bring. You know, he's uh, he's a rough and tough kind of guy. He's a dude who's going to go out there and he's going to lay a couple of big hits and try and energize the team quickly. I think that's what they're expecting him to do. And 
you know, playing him against, uh, you know, a lesser opponent in the Arizona Coyotes is probably um, the right thing to do. He's now had a couple of full practices with the group, understands the systems a little more, knows how he can be defensively responsible and help him out. And he's already a defensively responsible guy. That's really his bread and butter, to be honest. So I, I think that he'll uh, he'll be just fine in, in a fourth-line role. So um, we'll get a chance to, to see Dryden Hunt in Maple Leafs uniform tonight as well. All right, Dave, uh, we'll take one more quick break. And when we get back, let's tee up tonight's game, uh, talk about some of our keys to the game. Um, but before that, how about a word from one of our show sponsors? Yep. So uh, this is from the NHTSA. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few become a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home. Okay, it's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that can happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows risks about driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from doing it. And for, oh, sorry, sorry, while, while getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play safe, and plan ahead to get a ride home. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Little Ron Burgundy moment there for you, wasn't it? Uh, the, I was scrolling. I scrolled a little bit too fast on that one. A little too fast, but a very, very important message there. Very important message. Um, don't need to be, especially around the holiday season, don't need any any accidents of any kind. There's already uh, enough nonsense going around in the world. Definitely don't need to add to it with, with uh with driving under the influence. Uh, welcome back into the Lockdown These Podcast. It's Mike DiStefano and David Morisuti. Uh, Toronto in Arizona tonight, but they're not going to be in a traditional arena like we typically see them. You know, 15, 20, 25,000 seat arenas. That's what the NHL is all about, right? You leave those old barns of, you know, St. Catharines with the Ice Dogs, or if you're in, you know, Prince Albert, or if you're in Regina, like wherever you're at, you finally make it to the NHL, and you're thinking, all right, for 20,000 screaming fans, and then you go to Arizona, and it's a 5,000-seat arena on the campus of Arizona State University. That's right. The Maple Leafs are finally getting their opportunity to play at the historic Mullet Arena, Dave. Uh, it still still bothers me that to this day the NHL is okay with this situation in Arizona. Look, I've heard that the ice surface is the best ice surface in the league, based yeah. on what Arizona players have been saying. I, I actually did hear, like I listened to the Maple Leafs and their post-practice skate today, both Morgan Riley and John and uh, Austin Matthews both also noted that the skates, the ice surface is uh, is really good. So that's not, that's a positive. But the real question is: Do the visiting teams finally have a locker room? I believe they do. Ish. Ish. I is this? They do have a locker room. It's not. I don't think the whatever stalls and and random room that they're put up earlier. 
Um, Because remember the Yotes went on like a 14-game road trip to get that arena up to snuff. Um, And and I think now it is, now that they're back. But, you know, it's still going to be very interesting. I I think I did also hear Sheldon Keith mention that you still have to like walk outside a little bit to get from the dressing room to the main rink. So there's still that little bit of like a catwalk outdoors to get there. That is going to be interesting. Um, it's like almost as if it's an outdoor game, but it's not clearly an outdoor game. Well, I mean, they could, I suppose, although it's in the middle of the desert. That would be interesting to try and keep that ice surface ready to go. But so there, there's a couple of differences, I guess, that uh, Mullet Arena offers that most NHL rinks do not. But look, this this is, you know, an opportunity. I'm curious to see what the atmosphere is going to be like at least. Like, I know it's it's on the college campus, and I know they have some tickets set aside for college students, and apparently, you know, they have been coming out, and it has been a little bit of a, an atmosphere at these games, you know, with only 5,000 people, the acoustics, it, it, it the acoustics are different because it's so much smaller than typical, so I will be interested to see how this all kind of looks, feels, and even sounds. Like, I'm curious how it sounds with such a, you know, a, a compact arena playing an nhl game i'm just curious yeah i mean i i watched i remember watching the first game and thinking okay like it's different you're especially the sight lines you know it's not i i just also remember that it wasn't even full capacity because they had to use some of the seats to make the broadcast nhl quality because they needed the room for that it's not even full capacity. They didn't sell tickets and they used that as an excuse. Are you sure that wasn't it? I I, I was told from people who were at the arena that this was the case. Uh-huh. It, it's, you know what, I, I do think it's, you know what, they can sell it on the college atmosphere. The, it's already been famous for a big brawl this season. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that Bruins brawl with the uh, Yotes fans after, I think it was actually after that overtime when that Arizona had against Boston, there was a big scrap. So like, I don't know, it's, it seems like, you know, they're trying to go with this college atmosphere. It can work for, I, I thought, you know what, this is just a temporary for a year. Sure. But this is not just a one year solution. That's where I was kind of not happy with this whole situation, but it's what the league has right now. I mean, it's the only thing that Arizona has right now. So you got to make it work somehow. At least, at least three years they're going to be in this building. At least three years. So if y'all think that Al Austin Matthews is leaving Toronto to go play in a five thousand seat arena, I mean, it's just not happening. It's just not. <laughs> like, let's be honest, it's not going to happen. Uh, and let's just pray that they also don't end up with Connor Bedard. Because that'd be very unfortunate as well. Okay. Um, we'll get to him in just a moment. But quickly, let's go through our three keys to the game tonight. Uh, give me a couple of keys from you, Dave. Uh, this is the Arizona Coyotes. Please play them like the Arizona Coyotes and not the Boston Bruins. Like These are games where I just well, – the Leafs have done a very good job against really bad teams, but – don't you want them to play as if they're the Boston Bruins, though? Because I think playing them like the Coyotes has been the problem. No, but like what what I mean is that you ha- you've recently played the Ducks. You played them like they're the Ducks in that you should beat them. 
Mm-hmm. Like I, I, what I mean is, don't get intimidated in any way by the Coyotes. There should be no reason for that. Think about the last time you played. Well, no, this man, team. they got they got Nick Ritchie over there. Hey, he's got seven goals on the year. Seven goals for Big Rich. Ask how many of those came against the Leafs. <laughs> yeah, I know he did. Yeah, uh, good goal. So, Big are we putting money? Are we putting money on Bet Online on Nick Ritchie to score a goal? Nick Ritchie. Tyler Boyd will probably end up with a point. I might put uh, over half a point for Tyler Boyd also. Yeah, those sound like pretty sound bets, to be to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but, yeah, keep going. <laughs> uh, Matt Murray, I want to see how he does. You know, they gave him a little bit of extra time off. I feel like he's going to be a bit busy in this game. I Like, it, it just screams like, you know, they're, they're on the road. This is a new surrounding, new environment. I think the first, like Matt Murray's going to have to come out. I think strong in this first period. I'm that's all I'm going to see. And like I think Austin Matthews, this is going to be his night. He's home, ish. Like I don't think Malt Arena. Like actually, he did spend some time training at the Arizona State University. I just don't know if it was Malt. Really? I'm pretty sure it was the old. Yeah, I don't think it was Malt Arena. Um, I don't know how much action though he's he's going to play. I mean. The way that Toronto has has fared and how they've been able to limit the Coyotes, quite literally, um, worst shooting team in the NHL, averaging a league low 24 shots on goal, uh, second worst 2.04 expected goals, and scoring chances, I believe, are also second worst to only the Chicago Blackhawks. And uh, let's see, high danger, just for, for... for giggles, yes, second worst in, in when it comes to creating high danger chances for themselves as well. So I don't know how uh, how busy Matt Murray will be. It might be you know similar to a couple of his starts recently where he's actually not going to be all that busy, and he's going to have to be good. You know the odd shot he ends up uh, facing. On the other end, though, I think that Karel Vimelka will be extremely busy. Um, and look, I think he's a very underrated goaltender. This yeah. Bill Milka kid. And and I remember last time this team was in Arizona, he nearly goalied Toronto. Like he legitimately actually he may have actually he may have goalied Toronto. I think it was a two one loss and the team put up like fifty shots or something like that and lost two one. I think that might have happened last time they were in Arizona. Um either one two one or lost two one. I shouldn't know. Yeah, he had the game of his life. I yes, remember. he did. Regardless, he did. And he's actually having a really solid year this season as well. He's third in the NHL in goals save above expected. Um, and that's really because the Coyotes are horrible defensively. I mean, they give up a lot of high danger scoring chances. And they're pretty much, when it comes, they're just as bad, I guess, at negating high danger chances as they are at generating high danger chances, which is never a good recipe. And when you're playing the Toronto Maple Leafs who feast, and are second in the NHL in high danger goals, uh, four per 60. And Toronto's been known to finish on those opportunities. So, you know, they can, they can score. I think Toronto needs to be able to finish on those chances and, you know, get traffic to Vimelka, create those rebounds, try and get those tips and those secondary opportunities on him. Because if he sees a puck, he's going to stop a puck. But if you get him going, you get him moving – you know, you tip pucks and, and you deflect them and you get the pucks moving themselves. Uh, maybe that'll give you a little bit of a better option. And then ultimately, I'm, I'm also, you know, a, a key for me is is to 
ease Morgan Riley into this game. Ease him in. I don't need him to go up there and play 25 minutes for this one. Really don't need that at all. Nope. I think if he comes in and you want to even treat him as like the third pair guy, get him 18, 19 minutes maybe and, and potentially a shot up on the power play uh, on PP2 just to get him those reps and those minutes if they end up getting a, a bunch of power plays. Uh, that would be okay with me. But ultimately, ease him into this one and uh, they should be able to to come up with two points because you're right. They've actually been playing opponents that they should beat they've been beating them they haven't been playing down to them anymore Mm -hmm. they've been actually fisting them to be quite honest with you which is what we expect from the toronto maple leafs uh so hopefully that happens again tonight speaking how do i forget the connor timmons revenge game oh yeah absolutely bet for him to score a goal for sure for sure you know You talked about the Coyotes blue line and how bad it's been. I'm just like, how did Connor Timmons not crack this blue line? It doesn't make that, that. I was talking about that today with Jonas on Leafs lunch. It doesn't make sense to me how Curtis Douglas, Curtis Douglas was the best offer that any of the other 30 general managers gave the Arizona Coyotes to pry Connor Timmons from them. And no one could beat Curtis Douglas. It ju- I don't understand it. But thank you. <laughs> that, was a fleecing. that was a fleecing from Kyle Dubas. Um, speaking of fleecing and beating teams you're supposed to, Canada cruising past Germany. Massive blowout thanks to uh, an exceptional power play. They went 7 for 10 on the power play tonight. Um, five of which coming off of a one five-minute major. It was unbelievable that they had scored five goals, four or five goals on that one major. 23 shots on the power play alone. It was insane. Um, Bedard was unreal. Seven-point night for him. Had a hat-trick. Tied a, a team record for points in a game. Um, you know, really quickly, just your, your quick thoughts on Canada and their uh, response to the first loss that they had suffered in this tournament. I, I do. I wasn't concerned about them losing to Czechia. I thought it was a kind of not the worst thing to happen because it makes you kind of wake up a little bit and smell the coffee. And realize, I, you know, I, I, I was uh, reading actually just before we were recording an uh, uh, article by Paul Grant, who was there. And like the big thing about Canada in this game was like discipline, like being disciplined. And like this one doesn't just mean like not taking stupid penalties. But just doing the right things when you have the puck, making the right plays. I think in a way, Canada didn't want to say, oh, we just didn't want to do the Michigan stuff anymore. And that's why they were talking about discipline. But not a single Michigan was attempted against no. Germany. No, not a single Michigan. And, and they just played a lot of north-south hockey. Yeah. You know? A lot of north-south. And, and that was their game plan. And they executed it well. They took shots on goal. They had guys go straight to the net, get uh, – traffic in front of the goalie and they're able to find some some shooting lanes and we're able to find the back of the net quite often so uh good on good on them good on canada for getting uh their first victory i guess of the tournament and i believe i saw they're favored by 10 and a half goals now against austria tonight 10 and a half goals that's the betting line 
if you saw what Austria has looked like in this. Ah, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. They have been utter garbage, but still, ten, to expect a team to win by ten and a half goals is just insane. But they could do it. They showed it tonight. They could do it, and uh, I'll be curious to see how much more Carvajal can can pad those stats because seven points in one game. I think this guy's going to break records in this tournament. Break multiple. If he needs two more goals to pass Jordan Eberle for all-time goals at the World Juniors for Canada, that's yeah. happening. Like, yeah. I don't see how that doesn't happen. Yeah, it's going to happen by, like, the second period. Yeah, he had seven points against Germany. Very good chance he might up that against yeah. us. Wouldn't be out of the question. Wouldn't be out of the question. So, yeah, I'm excited for that one. That'll be a good one. So, we got kind of back-to-back games. You've got this one that'll be around 6 o'clock and then at 9 o'clock. Yeah, Perfect. nine o'clock roll right into Team Canada, um, or roll right into the Leafs. So yeah, lots of hockey to watch if you're a Leafs and Canada fan. All right, Dave, that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Um, follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. Also follow the show at Locked On Leafs. Leave a like and a comment down below if you're on Twitter. Subscribe. Would really appreciate it if you hit the subscribe button um, on YouTube as well. Uh, we'll be back with another episode tomorrow. We'll break down the game against the Arizona Coyotes. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leaves.